Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference, or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. Who hasn't seen and doesn't care about Doctor Strange. This is a valid, truthful statement. I haven't seen it either, but I do care. So, although I'm hearing mixed reviews about it, well, there you go. We'll have to see. I don't know why I pick on you about the Marvel movies all the time, but you know it's fun. It works because we never have even talked about them other than me picking on you. This is true. So, anyway, maybe someday we'll talk about them. The multiverse. Matthew will have to do some studying first, though. <laughs> yes, I would definitely have to do some studying. So today we want to talk about something probably more relevant and important in everybody's life than uh, Doctor Strange or the multiverse, and that is making decisions. I don't know if this is the best way to do it, but the best way I can get my mind wrapped around this. So first, we want to talk about major decisions, okay? Like, who do I marry? Where do I go to college? Do I change? Do I change jobs? What yeah. should my job be? Okay, those you. kind of things. Career choices. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody wants to make those. Cho- every Christian wants to make those choices in accordance with the will of God. And there's really the popular view of how to make these decisions. The view that I'm sure Matthew was taught and I was taught uh, from early on as a Christian is inadequate and actually ends up causing more troubles than it helps. Just to describe the view, and I I don't mean to be totally negative, it's not like every aspect of it is negative, but it's really not biblical. The idea is, and we, so there's, there's, in this scheme, there's three ways to talk about the will of God. God's sovereign will, which his will, which is his will that is going to happen. So God has everything planned out, and it's going to happen. Most of that is unrevealed to us. There's th- some things, like we know Jesus is coming again, right? Right. But other than broad ideas like that, we it's mostly secret, right? And then another aspect is God's moral will. In other words, what's right and what's wrong. Now, these two ideas about the will of God, Matthew and I agree with, okay? The issue is that this this view of divine guidance has another has another level which is God's will for my life. And so with this view of guidance, God has a special, unique plan for your life. And your job is to discover what that plan is. Not by looking to Scripture, mostly, but by, through prayer, asking God to give you some, either either something providential, maybe even something miraculous, or at the very least, a feeling in your heart about which way you should go, one way or the other. Okay? And then, 
And then what, whatever God reveals to you, and this is where it becomes, to me, really problematic, you must do that. And, and the danger is, is that if you don't go that way, like, especially when it comes to marriage, right? <laughs> you pray about whether you should marry this person or that person, and you feel God is leading you to marry this person. How do you, what if you're wrong? What if you misunderstood what God was telling you? What Then, as Christians, we don't believe marriages can just be exited out of because you, you read the tea leaves of providence incorrectly, and now you... So have you ruined God's entire plan for your life by choosing the wrong person to marry? And now... And the idea is that because we, you know we're sinners, how often do we really get it right? Which would lead you to think. And I had a professor in Bible college who believed in this other view, who said you're far away, so far away from God's perfect will that you can never get back to it. Mm-hmm. That that really leads to hopelessness. The results of this can be bad, but it's just it's not biblical. The Bible doesn't call us to do this kind of thing. So. We can't look to providence to determine whether we should or shouldn't do a thing because God allows both evil and good. And then even if something evil happens, does that mean God is, you have to say, does that mean God is telling me not to do it or is he telling me to persevere and prove myself faithful through it? So it's there's just so much ambiguity that it really isn't a good way to get an answer. And then I know Charles Stanley teaches this view, and he often talks about having a check in your spirit. It's like a a feeling that you really just can't describe, that you know that this is the way to go, right? Again, it's funny how often that feeling of what you should do corresponds with exactly what you wanted to do in the first place. Right. <laughs> Just an amazing coincidence that God always tells you to do what you felt like you should do anyway. This view is really inadequate because it it doesn't really help you get the answers that you're looking for, and it's not biblical ultimately. There are things in the Bible that talk about the leading of the Spirit, and we believe in the leading of the Spirit, but we don't believe the Spirit leads apart from the Word he doesn't lead apart from other Christians giving you wise advice. He doesn't lead in just giving you a feeling in your heart. He leads in other ways. And the Bible doesn't offer us any promise that God is going to tell us like these decisions which way to go. There's nowhere in the Bible that that it's that this kind of idea is is brought up. You know, and people will look back to Abraham is the one that is constantly brought up, that God, every time he was doing, all throughout his life, God was speaking to him. And so people say, well, if God doesn't lead me like Abraham, then God has changed and he loves Abraham more than me. Well, the issue is if you actually make a timeline of Abraham's life and put the points where God spoke to him, it's about on average, every 25 years, God speaks to him. So it's not 
even if you look at Abraham, who we have in our mind God talked to a lot, it wasn't as much as you think it was just by looking at the page if you just make it out on a timeline. Add to that fact that Abraham was a prophet and um, you aren't. Right. Matthew especially is not a prophet. Exactly. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't he doesn't eat grasshoppers or wear camel hair underwear. I do not. Not that I know of. No. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think another couple things just that causes this whole view to be problematic is ultimately what you end up when you start searching for this divine providence you end up thinking that you have to find God's perfect will for your life. And then if we go back to Jeremy's example of marrying this this spouse or that spouse, and you marry this and you're supposed to marry that, now what you've done is you've lessened your view of God. So now you don't trust God like you should because God lets you down and God failed you. And so you create all of those problems. And then I had a I was at a youth rally when I was growing up, and because if there's one thing that independent Baptists like to talk about at youth rallies, it's God's will for your life. And he basically said, if you don't find God's perfect will, then you just have to suffer through the secondary choices. You just stop, and as I've spent time, and you think through that, what that does to someone's view of God. It lessens their view of God, but somehow God just doesn't, care about him so much that you 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 miss the boat to just make it work and it's just it's so bad and it makes it all dependent on you correct you if you don't if you aren't spiritual enough smart enough discerning enough to figure this out and i i mean you know when you're i got married when i was 18 years old 18-year-olds don't have the experience and wisdom to be able to get all these things right and a lot of these things that's that's when you're thinking about it and and to think that they have all together so much that they can make these choices without getting god's their second best or third best or or however low they may go it all ultimately makes it dependent all on you and your own wisdom and and that's not (laughs) that's really not good news at all right so we want to offer a, a different way. One other issue is I think the way the way of wisdom that we're going to explain is actually good for major decisions and small decisions. So if you're going to the grocery store and you're trying to decide, should I buy this package of lunch meat or another package of lunch meat, you're not going to pray and ask God to discern his perfect will for you, whether you're which baloney, because, you know, you don't want to buy the wrong baloney and get God's second best for your life. <laughs> you, mean, you mean you're not going to just stop and put the fleece out in the middle of the grocery store and see what happens? No. Okay, just checking. But I think our w- way of doing this, our way of explaining this, which I think is the biblical way, is beneficial even in the small things. I would agree. So it's... It's adequate for every decision, not just big deci- big right. life decisions. Right. So, so um, most of the insights that I gained on this is from Gary Friesen and J. Robin Maxson's book, Decision Making in the Will of God. It's a big book, isn't it, Matthew? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. 
really comprehensive. It studies this issue from every angle, deals with uh, frequently asked questions and objections and things like that. There's no way Matthew and I can deal with this adequately on in the few minutes that we have on our podcast. So we just want to outline it, and I commend Gary Friesen's book to you. I'll share it on Facebook once we post this. It's very good. It is it is lengthy. I'll also share another book that is basically teaching the same thing, um, but is a lot shorter. Kevin DeYoung's, I think it's called Just Do Something. Yeah. Um, that's I've never read it, but I understand that it's along the same lines as Gary Friesen, and it's like <laughs> a fraction of, of right. this, this big book. Yeah, and then a third one that I'll just tell you back that I've started reading, haven't finished it, but it's along the same lines, is Amy Joseph just came out with a book called Demystifying Decision-Making, A Practical Guide, and it's shorter too, but it would that would be another resource. Okay. So. All right, thank you. All right, so... And Gary Friesen is the one who calls us the way of wisdom, and I I think that's good. So the first idea is that when you're making a decision where God commands, we must obey. So if it's a decision of committing adultery or not committing adultery, the, the command, we must obey God's command. There's no, as Christians, there's no question about that. So if our decision involves us either in our attitude, our actions, or our motivations. If our decision involves us in disobedience to God's clear commands in Scripture, we shouldn't do it. Right? Right. That's pretty cut and dry. That goes back to what we talked about, the moral will of God. And here's the beautiful thing about the moral will of God. It's completely revealed in Scripture. So if you want to know what God's will is, morally speaking, read the Bible. Exactly. And one of the things Gary Fries, that's one of the things he tries to encourage in his book, the intake of Scripture, because you got to know Scripture to know what God's moral will is. If you want to make wise decisions, if you want to make good decisions, you need to know the Word of God. You're, it, without the word of God, you're not going to make good and wide, wise decisions. So you want to be wise? <laughs> you want to walk down the wise path? You need God's word, and you need to read it, and you need to absorb as much of it as you can. Okay? Any other thoughts about that? No, but like you said, I think it's pretty cut and dry. Yep. Uh, number two, where there is no command... God gives freedom, and in parentheses, responsibility to choose. So there's there's examples of this in the Bible, right? Uh, the early church had difficulty with eating food because meat at the time, if you bought meat, it was sacrificed to pagan gods. So the question was, can Christians eat this, this meat that has been uh, sacrificed pagan idols. And there Paul in 1 Corinthians deals with this like um can't remember the specific chapters. I think like 9 through 10. I think so. That sounds in 1 right. 1 Corinthians and then Romans 14 and 15 deal with this 
issue with with freedom, Christian freedom. So where the Bible doesn't command, and the Bible doesn't command Christians whether we should eat uh, the meat that's been sacrificed to idols or whether we should not, there's freedom. You could choose either. Now, of course, we'll talk more about this at another point, but of course, we ha- are sometimes called to limit our freedom if it causes someone else harm. So we have to remember that as well, but there's freedom. So when it comes to decision-making, right, if you're, going, you're trying to decide whether to buy this house or that house, and everything being equal, I mean, obviously one house could put you further in debt and you can't afford it, and, but let's say the houses are equal, as as far as the moral will of God goes, you if you chose either house, according you wouldn't be violating the moral will of God. Then you are free to choose whichever house you please. That's that's the idea. Right. Now there's more to it than that, but but there's but that, there's not. It's not as if God has one specific house in mind for you, and if you don't choose that house, you're going to destroy God's entire plan for your life. Right. Because, yes, God has chosen the house sovereignly that that you will buy, but that's his secret, secret will. He's not revealing it to you, and it's going to happen no matter what. God will work providentially and to govern you through your choices to make he already has planned what you're going to do. But it's not our job to try to f- figure out the secret will of God. We don't need to climb up into the heavens and ask God. We make we make the wise choice, right? Correct. We make the choice that's in accordance with God's will and then we have the freedom to choose whoever we want. So just as an example of this freedom in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is talking about the issue of marriage, divorce, widowhood, and all that. He says in verse 36 of chapter 7, If anyone thinks he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let let them marry. It is no sin. Now, in another place, he talks about widows, and he says... Widows are free to marry only in the Lord. So the the moral will of God is is to is to get married, not to have a sexual relationship outside of marriage. The moral will of God, that's what the moral will of God is. But you're free to marry anyone you want as long as it's in the Lord. You're free to get married or not get married. That it's fine. Paul's argument is Paul's trying to say it's better to remain unmarried, but he says ultimately you're free to make your own choice. So we see that even in when it comes to marriage, uh, that there's freedom there. So that's the second principle. Where there's no co- command, God gives freedom to choose. Number three, when there's no command, command God gives wisdom. So it's, it's important. Yes, we get wisdom from from the scriptures, but we we especially get wisdom from the scriptures, so we need to know the scriptures so that we know God's moral will. We need to know wisdom from the scriptures, 
But that's not the only source of wisdom. In one place, Gary Friesen says, God has promised wisdom through the Bible. We've already talked about that. Prayer, counselors, research, and experience. So one of the good, one of the best things about this way of wisdom is you're not on your own. It's not just you hidden away in your room somewhere trying to get a feeling from God. It's you talking with others who have had more experience than you, weighing the pros and cons, thinking through the issue, praying through the issue, searching the scriptures through the issue, and by those means you come to figure out the wise decision. So there's many helps to gain wisdom in this in the situation. So if it's if it's buying a house, then you can you can ask bukus of people for help, for wisdom. If it's your career choices, you can ask you can ask people to share with you what they think your gifts and talents and abilities are. You can ask people who have went down this road, what their experience was. You can consider whether I'm ready for those kind of things. When, but it's almost, and this doesn't always happen, So, it, but the old view that I used to hold to and that I was taught as a young Christian, it's almost like you can't talk to anyone else because talking to someone else may influence you're hearing the voice of God incorrectly, so it's best for you to get all alone with God and make these decisions by yourself without getting anyone else involved. Is that yeah? Is that your I, experience too? Ex- exactly. So you have to be by yourself because one, they might influence you, or secondly, they don't know everything that makes you you and so any advice they give you is could be tainted by how it affects them versus how it affects you so you're basically left by yourself or or if you want to spiritualize it it's got to be you and the holy spirit but that's the conversation we've had on other podcasts right so the the way of wisdom then gives you many more resources than just being dependent on yourself and especially a lot like i said a lot of these decisions are being made when we're younger and by virtue of your age a person is immature <laughs> correct i mean you just don't you don't gain wisdom you don't gain enough wisdom at that point you know you you grow hopefully you grow in wisdom now sometimes older people are foolish there's no there's no question about that but Generally speaking, with age comes more wisdom, and when we find it otherwise, it's a, it's a, not a good thing. So we have so we have many more resources with this view. Uh, we can lean on others. So there, there, like I said, just so many more resources, and to me, this is so much more beneficial. And then finally, the final principle for decision making Gary Friesen gives is when we've chosen morally and wisely, we trust our sovereign God to work out the details. Okay, so there's we understand that if God commands, we must obey. So we choose morally, right? Right. One of the things that Gary Friesen, and I think this is good that he does this, is try to make clear is that as Christians, we're obligated to make the wise choice. 
we're commanded in Scripture to be wise. So it's not, it's not okay if you've done all your research and you found out that this choice is foolish. It's not okay for you to make that choice. Right. Just because there may not be a specific Bible verse that points to it. But if it's an obviously foolish decision, then that is against the passage that tells, commands us that we're to be wise. Um, so wisdom also is a, is a moral command. We have to be wise, and we have to make the wise choices, right? Yeah. So we, we ought to be choosing morally and wisely. After having done that, we trust our sovereign God to work out all the details. One of the things that I saw happening to people to hold, who hold to the other view of God's guidance is that they wanted to know what was going to happen before they made the decision. Yeah. So their seeking God and asking God wasn't really asking for wisdom. It wasn't asking God necessarily for the right way to go. They wanted to know before they did it what happened. That's not faith. No. It, it may be a kind of faith, but what we're called to is not knowing what's going to happen, like Abraham did. He didn't know where God was sending him, and he went. We're called to trust that God is going to work everything out, and, and we're trusting in God to work everything out. It's not our relying upon our wisdom and our choices to make sure that we hit God's perfect will and don't completely mess up our lives. We're being dependent on God to to work everything out, even when we make a foolish choice, unknowingly, of course. I mean, you look back and realize this was a really dumb choice. It was a dumb decision. I shouldn't have done that. But even in that, we trust God to work out even our foolish choices for our good and his glory if we're believers. And, and this, I think, is real is really a key component. God will with this view there's no there's no danger of missing God's will for your life. There's no danger of you being six step six degrees away from what God had originally planned for you. You're in God's hands. Proverbs three, five and six says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understandings and that the Lord will direct your steps. This is what he this is what it means. It doesn't mean that he's going to tell you beforehand so that you know which road to go on. It means that God is directing all your steps as you go, and you can you can trust in him. Him making the way clear isn't telling you how it's done, but you're not going to get off track with God's will. You, you've just got to trust him. And when bad things happen, it's either God's chastisement to... Uh, make us holy, or he's testing our faith. There's other reasons why we suffer, but it's not necessarily because we we chose the wrong path, and now we threw off God's whole plan for our lives, and so now all we can hope for is sixth best. Yeah, I I think that is so valuable for us to understand why this way of wisdom is so much better than the other model is just that, like you were saying, in the other model, it's there's this desire to have to know because no one wants to have the sixth best path. And so you 
have to search and you pray and you you tie yourself up in knots trying to make sure you get it right but ultimately like you said it's not an exercise we're not exercising faith we're exercising faith but it's faith in ourselves not in god and it goes counterintuitive to everything scripture says and yet we continually seek to do it because over and over again because we just have to be right and we don't want to make a mistake and which is counterintuitive to our nature we're going to mess up we're going to make mistakes it's why you know psalm 37 says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord and he delighteth in their path it's that idea is that we trust god and the steps might lead to unpleasant waters but we're okay with that whereas in this view anytime you enter into something difficult you go what I do wrong? Where did I mess up? I, I because ultimately, if we're honest, this the other side piece of this path we didn't really talk about. We don't have time for, but just to mention it is there's this view that anything bad is somehow means you're out of the will of God and you're going to get back. It 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 doesn't understand and properly identify the purpose of suffering, and, and that's absolutely not biblical, right? And that. I think one of the things that people get concerned about with our view is that the other view seems more to lean on the spirit. But again, going back to our series on the on the spirit, I think it's a matter of how you understand the work of the spirit. We understand the spirit to work through means. So we understand those spirit to work through the word of God to direct you to his moral will and to give you wisdom. We understand this, the Spirit to work through other believers and their counsel. Uh, we expect the Spirit to work through the preaching of God's Word. So it's not as if one view has the Spirit and one view doesn't have the Spirit. So this view is more spiritual, so I'm going to take that view. It's a matter of how we see the Spirit working. We, we see the Spirit working through, through means, through people, not necessarily working directly in our hearts to tell we I shouldn't say not necessarily we don't see them working the spirit working directly in our hearts uh, we see the spirit working through means to teach us and to guide us and this seems to be what what the Bible teaches of course we've discussed that on another on that other uh, series so people will refer to that but I know, when I've discussed this issue with other people, and even in Friesen's book, he brings that up. And he actually spends has a whole chapter discussing how this, this isn't like a deistic view of God, where God's uninterested, it doesn't care about our decisions. He, he deals with that well. But I just wanted to touch on that briefly, because I know that's one of the things people are going to say. It doesn't feel as spiritual. But again, I think it's ultimately because our view of the Spirit is the Spirit works through means, not directly in our hearts like the other view suggests. Right. But it's still the Spirit working. Exactly. As we come to a close today, our encouragement to you is spend time in the Word so that you can understand God's revealed moral will. And then spend time cultivating 
the relationships, the experiences that you need so that you can gain wisdom, whether in your life or in the lives of others, so that you can then make the decisions and that you can ultimately trust God's sovereign will for your life, knowing that he will promises that he will work everything out for our good according to his purpose. We thank you for making the decision to listen to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to questions, comments, and even dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But once again, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we'll strive and have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.